Hello. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I have got a nap bite, which is kind of itchy, but yeah, I'm okay. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> that was my eventful thing that happened today. I have a nap bite. I hate bug season. Like, I'm. I they're hate. attracted to me. I'm. Me too. A magnet for bugs. I've got like sweet blood, isn't it? That your blood's sweet or something like that. That they, that's why bugs go for you. I've heard that too, but I have an inkling that that's bullshit. That somebody made oh, really? it up. I just feel like it sounds yeah. like crap. You know, like it sounds like something made up. Yeah, I could be I wrong. Don't know. I could be wrong. Anyway, every bug in the world wants to bite me. Yeah, so. I think we should. I think we should introduce ourselves now. I'm Sophie. This is Jess. Hello. I'm from England, and of course, by her accent, you can hear. I'm American. Yes. Um, we're friends. We're best friends. And we live far too far away from each other. Don't we? Yes, we do. Do you want to be exact? (laughs) Uh, 3,787.7.8. I don't remember the number. (laughs) It's really, really far. It's (laughs) 3,834.7. I was super close. Right, we're going to have a conversation because we're going to tell each other we're going to learn new stuff. Yeah, okay. Just because I didn't go to English school, you didn't go to American school, so you didn't learn American history, I didn't learn English history. We want to correct that. I want to know what you know. You want to know what I know. You other people might want to know what we know. Here we are. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, which by the way, what we know, not a lot. No, and we're probably going to fudge the facts, hence the name of the podcast. We're <laughs> but close, you're welcome. though. We get the general. I'm not a historian, but I, I know the basics. Yeah. Because if I don't know, Google knows. Right? Google does know. It's <laughs> fantastic. So we're going to let you listen along to the for the ride. Yeah, you're Did welcome. Did you listen to the ride? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, yeah, I didn't even catch that you said that. We're fudging <laughs> idioms. All day. Yes. <laughs> right. I'm going to tell you a story. Are you? Listen up, chick. Yep. I'm ready. Hit me with it. I'm going to talk about the Cray Brothers to you. Cool. Do you, <laughs> do you know who they are? Or have you heard of them? Or? Um, I mean, kind of. I know that, that about that Tom Hardy movie. I saw that. Um, I DVR'd it at my aunt's house when I was dog-sitting once. Oh, nice. It was pretty good. Um Although I, I, that's my extent. I don't really know anything legit. Okay. Well, I will fill you in. The Cray brothers. Ronnie and Reggie Cray were twin brothers in London. Cool. Uh, they, were, they were crime. They were criminals. Lords of the East End in the 50s and 60s. They'd, uh, the twins ran an organised crime gang known as The Firm. Little car <laughs> law and order. Yeah. Oh, do you have that? Do you have the oh you do, don't you? We have Law and Order UK here and it does like the same sound. Yeah, though no, they all do. Episode. We have Law oh, and Order and then Law and Order Criminal Intent and then the best one, Law and Order SVU. Do you get Law and Order SVU over there? Um I think we get it on Five Star, which is like our American T V channel. Sure, okay. Well, Mariska I'm, watch I'm a more of a CSI gal. 
you're more of a CSI girl than a Detective Olivia Benson girl because you're wrong. Oh, okay. <laughs> Just told straight, you're definitely wrong. You are Law not SVU to... is the best of all of them. I'm going to... I'm here to say. Unless it's okay. I, you can hit me with some criminal minds. I'm into that. I've never watched that either. I think Get we're out. breaking up. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, anyway, just kidding. Yeah. Go ahead. Anyway, <laughs> these twins were known for murder, robbery, arson, and protection rackets, and assaults. Like, all the big boys of the crime world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You no. Know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Impressive they resume. Yeah. Uh, they grew up in the East End, and it was quite rough around that era. A lot of... Um, it was overpopulated, and that's what caused a lot of, like, this sort of criminal activity, because it was sort of over, very poor, overpopulated buildings, a sure. lot of, like, high-rises. Um... They were encouraged to go to boxing class when they were little, like most boys around that era were. My granddad said that was quite a thing to do. It was quite like people used to take that up as a hobby because basically there was not a lot of other things to do. Sure. So they went to like boxing clubs. Right. Cell phones weren't a thing yet. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. Internet. (laughs) But um, they started using boxing outside the ring and started beating up people. This was like, they're only young teenagers at this point. Um, they got arrested at 16. Yeah. For GBH. So for... grievous bodily harm. Oh. Yeah. So, and then, and when they're 80, they spent a month in prison because they assaulted a police officer. So they weren't sure. nice lads from the onset. Right. Really. Um. So, yeah, that happened. Running a muck up in the East End, they were. Yep, definitely. They were killing the game. No pun intended. <laughs> or all the pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. You decide. <laughs> okay. <can't>. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, when they were called for national service at the age of 18... Um, when they've got to go and join the army for two years. Oh, okay. Like like the the national, so it's like the draft. Yeah. Okay. Same as that. So they've got to go. They abolished it. This is what my granddad told me, right? He was so lucky. The year before he turned 18, they abolished it. <laughs> he was like, yes. He just got in under the, right yeah. under the wire. Yeah. So he was quite happy about that. But yeah. his brother had to do it. Um, on the first day of service, when they were called up, uh, Ronnie punched their corporal straight on the chin and ran away. The twins ran away back to their house, their mum's house. And the next morning, they got arrested for deserting Her Majesty's um, prison. No, deserting the Majesty's army, sorry. And um, But they did this several times. Like They kept on going there and then leaving, like running away and getting like, so, okay. caught again. They went, he punched him, they left, they ended up coming back to the army, left again, came back to the army, left again. Is yeah, that what you're they, saying? So, yeah. Okay. On the first day, punched, they ran home, and then they got arrested, because you're not allowed to do that, obviously. Right. You're not allowed to desert right. that uh, calling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's what happened. So they had, uh, when they got arrested that time, they actually went to the Tower of London and got held there. They got held as prisoners. Sure. In the Tower of London, they were the they the were the Tower one of the of last London. 
I was going to say, the Tower of London in the 60s, I thought they were done with that already. No, they were the, one of the last people to be held there as mm. actual prisoners. That's kind of cool. Because they don't do that in it. Right, now. right. I've been there. Something. I toured it. They didn't have people oh, did locked you? up. I didn't know that. Yeah, I went on a tour of it when I was there. Yeah, is it, and I've only been, I went when I was little, but I haven't been back there in a long time. I feel like I could go back and spend a whole day there. Like, I didn't, mm-hmm. I don't feel like I saw the whole thing or really paid attention. Because I like to read all the little labels and all the little stuff, you know. And same, I just didn't same. have enough time. Mm-hmm. That's where the crown jewels are kept. I know, I saw them. Did, did you see them? Mm-hmm. I've never seen that part of it. That's what yeah. I'm going to see. I didn't, yeah, like I said, like, I wish I could go back and do, well, I can whenever I go I guess I don't know who's stopping me yeah. but <laughs> the next time I go I want to stay for okay, a long time actually yeah, yeah that'd be good yeah it's an interesting place oh definitely um so with them being always being recaptured by the army um they kept on being longer and longer um they had to go like a stay in prison because they were being bad behavior mm-hmm. because obviously they kept running away which didn't want to do it um but so they had a prison stay and obviously they're um you can imagine they're gonna be quite eventful in prison (laughs) they had lots of fights uh they got um they actually dumped a huge container full of tea onto their prison their prison guards um they handcuffed one of their guards to their prison bars with stolen cuffs and they also set their bedding on fire so <laughs> nice. really kicking they kicked up a storm in prison <laughs> wow. um after the two years was up so when they were like i think it's 21 you need to do two years they got dishonorable discharge from the army right which is like a yeah like a really bad thing we have that too yeah so it's not good obviously yeah um so after they got dismissed they went back to the east end and that's where their like career really started going on would you call it a criminal career i don't know I don't yeah know i guess you it. could say a criminal career or an enterprise or something i don't know whatever you can call it whatever you want this is your, your story <laughs> this is my story <laughs> um they then they started in gang crime when they were younger so when they're like 21 22 they started um doing petty robberies assaults um stuff like that and then they started getting bigger and bigger and bigger Mm-hmm. And from this, they got some money together and bought a nightclub. Nice. And back in the 50s and 60s, the nightclub was a hot thing to like. Oh, do. yeah. Like, it was really like. Oh, yeah. Out there. Um, it was a pretty shitty one. At first, it was a really like run down uh, in Bethnal Green, where they lived. But they bought it cheap. And turned it completely around. Like celebrities were going in it and stuff like that. So really? you can imagine like it was, I would say like a smoky, large room with lots of like, little tables and live bands and like yeah, that would be stuff cool. like that. Yeah. It would be cool to go uh, to a club like that. Clubs aren't like that now. No, no. Cool. So yeah, they started doing that and... Uh, so that was a way of like cleaning cleaning their money. Mm-hmm. So they was getting all like they were still doing the bad stuff, but the way to clean the money was through the nightclub. So it was like looking reputable. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, and um, it started going good for them. Really, they started. They bought a, like a few more within the area, and into central London as well. 
taking um, over the town. Exactly, they were they were getting big. They wanted to make their like name known as businessmen, uh, but you wouldn't want to mess with them because they were still really really violent. Mm-hmm. Um, I read something that the one of the things Ronnie used to do was um, offer the, one of his victims a cigarette straight from the packet, like straight into their mouth for mm-hmm. them to like light it for him as they opened to receive the cigarette. Literally, right hook straight to the jaw, broken jaw. Like, what that a, was... What a dick. Yeah. He wasn't a nice dude. This Ronnie, which is a slightly older one, um, violent outburst all the time, led him to prison. He went in 1956, and he stayed there for three years. Um, he got that because he was basically slashed, slashed and stabbed a man with a bayonet. I can't say that. How do you say it? Is it bay? Is it bayonet or bayonet? Bayonet. Are you bayonet. are you talking about the thing that's like at the end, like the sword part that's at the end of like a really long old rifle? A bayonet. B B A Y O N E T. Bayonet. Bayonet. Okay. And what is it? Did you say? I'm thinking of like the um, like the sword thingy that's on the end of a rifle. Oh, I, d- I didn't know what it was. I thought it was like a large, like blunt object, like a pipe. No, it's sharp. Oh, okay. I like uh, here. Hold on, I'll show you a picture of it. Sorry, guys, that can't see this. We did put this on Instagram so you guys can see it. Oh, so it's like a knife. Oh, wait. Okay, so this isn't what I'm thinking of either. Oh, well, because here's what I'm thinking of. I'm thinking of it where it looks like this, where it's like on the end of a rifle. Oh. Yeah, you know what I mean? But it is actually a knife as well. Well, I think it's a knife in general, but like okay. there's different types of it. Listen, I'm not an expert on this. No. <laughs> but that's how you pronounce it. You don't it. know your bayonet um, history or... <laughs> I know how Uses. to pronounce it. <laughs> yes, better than I do. So, yeah. So, he he done that to this man, got sent to prison. And while in prison, he got diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia. Oh, okay. So, it sort That's of That's exactly what you want for a gang lord. Yeah. Sure. N- not really, but yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, so, that, ex- he- that explains the... Uh, violent tendency, I suppose. Yes, yeah. Although, I, that sounds bad, because I'm sure not every schizophrenic is violent. No. I'm not a psychologist. I'm going to move on. No. <laughs> um, but while he was in prison, uh, in prison, Ronnie carried on with the business. Um, he started the firm, which was like the cover-up for the gang crime. Okay. So it was like a front, as like, almost. Mm-hmm, sure. Um a security company, the firm. Um, while it was growing and he was still away... I'm sorry. I'm just thinking of, like, men with, like, uh, double-breasted long coats and briefcases. Like, that's their security company <laughs> like a, of the firm. That sounds like a, that sounds like a banker. Like, <laughs> that's all I picture in my head. <laughs> I think... And they've I, got hats on. I think the picture in my head is, like, a tux, not not a tux, but like a white shirt, black tie, black blazer, and then like a cap, a flat cap, 
That's what I've got. Mm. And they all speak like this. All right, darling. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I would think it is. Oh, anyway, <laughs> so he done this. It was coming up. The clubs were getting really, really popular at this point. Um, um, and then scandals started to fall, obviously, as all things like must come Ooh. to it. Yeah. Um, Ronnie came out of prison and tried to like, go back into the club business and everything. Mm -hmm. And there was a scandal, a big scandal, between Ronnie and a member of parliament. Okay. Okay. Ronnie was openly gay. Sure. In the 60s? Damn. In the 50s and 60s, yeah. So wow, good for him. There's a quote from him, from uh, one of his um, colleagues. Colleagues? His gang members. Associates. <laughs> Associates. Colleagues. <laughs> his associate um, in his book, he says that um, when any, anyone used to question Ronnie's sexuality, He'd go, um, Ron would just smile at them and tell them, <laughs> told them they didn't know what they were missing. <laughs> well, <laughs> he was, I thought it was a brave lad in that in those oh, yeah. days. Well, Very brave. I mean, what are they going to do? He could kick. Exactly. He, he's a gang leader. He, you know what I mean? He's going to kick their ass. Yeah. Yeah. He has that protection behind him. So he can so, be whatever he wants. This, like, this scandal came out and, like, the government obviously knew about it because Wait, he was, so he was oh okay so he was sleeping with this parliament guy gotcha. yeah okay. well i don't know if it was confirmed sleeping but there was a scandal about it that and it was more actually that he was having like orgies and stuff at the clubs cool okay sure yeah and um they got pictures and this was the thing was that there was pictures of oh, parliament yeah, members yeah, yeah. celebrities obviously um so big these scandal. pictures got sold to newspapers and obviously it was a big payoff so they wouldn't that hush hush under the rug sort of deal. Yeah. Um. So they had a few run-ins with that sort of crowd. Um. For for many years, it was a good sort of run business. They were doing really good. They were deemed reputable, um, and also they were featured in several magazines as businessmen. <laughs> Forbes top one hundred. Yeah. Exactly. 40 under 40. They, they basically owned, like, London. Gotcha. They knew what was going on. Yeah. But there was a rival gang. So th there's a Easter River. Is it Easter River or South the River? North the River, South the River. Anyway, the other side of the river is where the Richardsons, this rival gang, that so, was their main rivalry. Sure. Was. Um, and there was a couple of, like, fights and tittle-tattling as I would say like you can't kill our people you can't come on our turf <laughs> tittle-tattling between the gangs and it went on for ages um but something big happened in 1966 the same year that we won the world cup interestingly enough <laughs> um Ooh, football yeah that's the only time we've ever won anything. Like, we, we cherish it hard here. <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, in I remember that March, the World Cup finals. I remember that shit. Everyone was like, really, <laughs> football's coming home, obsessed. Oh, yeah. Big time. We do that. 
Um, so on the 10th of March in 1966, um, something, this big event happened. Ronnie brutally murders George Cornell. George was a member of that rival, that rival um, gang called the Richardsons. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was sitting in a pub called the Blind Beggar in Whitechapel. What a which name was on for a pub. The Blind Beggar. Yeah. yeah, that's nice. Which was on, which was on the turf of, of the craze. So it wasn't on his own turf. He was sitting in a pub on the craze turf. Uh, about half eight at night, in walks Ronnie with a gun and literally shoots him point blank in the head. Like there was witnesses, everything. Mm-hmm. And apparently, according to like the witnesses, he just walked straight back out, like calmly, like nothing had ever happened. Weird. So that's, well, he, he's schizophrenic, so. Right. Par- it's schizophrenic paranoia, so I'm, I'm guessing it was like, fuck it, let's go. Yeah. I think well, he's unmedicated, the- right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, apparently he did have medicine in the film, that legend film. Apparently, it did say that he was medicated, but he didn't like to take his tablets. He wasn't very frequent with it. Gotcha. There was tablets for him. Right, sure. Um, yeah. My nan and granddad actually remember this event happening. Like, their family knew about it. It was a big talk of the town, obviously, because um, they only literally lived 15 minutes away from where they lived. Oh, wow. So it was quite, it was quite close. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so it was a big thing. And, obviously, it was a big community then. Back yeah. in that day, everyone knew, like, your cousins, your nans, your aunts, whatever, all lived in the same sort of place sure. or down the road. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so this kicked up a bit of a fuss and in comes, like, the investigators. Like, we know something's dodgy about the craze. So they started an investigation on them. Um but at this point, the craze were all with, like, paying off police officers and stuff. Um, but they had to hire an outside investigator to come in for, like, Scotland Yard. So it was, like, big boys. Sure. To come and investigate. And as investigations take forever to gather evidence and surveillance and whatnot, it kept on going. Okay? Mm-hmm. So he hadn't got arrested or anything like that. Because he, I think he actually paid off. There was a barmaid that night that when the shooting happened. Okay. I think he actually paid them off so they wouldn't talk. Right, anyway. gangster shit. That seems normal. Yeah, yeah. Fast forward to a year later. Reggie, the other brother, um, he was married to a lady called Shea. Shea? Uh, Shea. S-H-E-A. Shea. Shea. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, so he was married to her. Been, uh, they'd been together for two years at this point, and Ronnie, Reggie's older brother, hated her, didn't get on with her at all. Okay. Right. Um, she commits suicide, unfortunately, mm-hmm. because of their relationship. She said that he puts, like, in the business first, there was physical abuse, he drinks, and all this stuff. So this was written in like a note and Oh right. I think I remember from the movie, like doesn't he like beat the hell out of her at one point or Mm -hmm. something? Yeah. 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 So um that obviously didn't go well for Reggie. He did love her. 
And yeah, apparently, yeah, you know, if you punch her in the face, you don't know. That's questionable. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it obviously had an emotional abuse for what happened right. after. Right. That emotional effect on right. him. Right, sure, yeah. Um, a few months after this, Reggie kills a man called Jack the Hat. Got a lover. That sounds like a magician. A yeah. <laughs> Got a lover gangster um, nickname, don't you? Oh, yeah. Okay. Jack the Hat um, was a member of their gang. He was meant to kill their accountant for them. But he didn't. He didn't do it. So at a party one night, in walks Reggie. And instead of just teaching him a lesson at a party... At the party, he goes up to him, pulls out a gun, tries to shoot him, but the gun jams. Inconvenient. So, very inconvenient when you want to shoot someone straight mm. by po- at point blank. Bit embarrassing, really, isn't it? So, <laughs> performance shit. issues there for sure. <laughs> um, so instead, he got a gang member to another gang member to hold him down, and he stabbed him. Several times. Damn, that's brutal. And in a cray fashion, being gross and violent as they like to be, um, the, he impaled him with a knife straight through the heart like, and just left him and walked off. So this was at a part, there was witnesses to this as well. So I think at this point the twins had gone a little bit, woo, yeah, and were making mistakes and didn't. I think their reputation, their football were untouchable. They were like spiralling or something. Yeah, yeah. So... You know, I was talking about the investigation. Mm-hmm. Exactly a year after, well, practically a year after, on the 9th of May in 1968, the police arrested both Cray brothers at their mother's flat. And then a year after that, they just had a really long trial. For the, um, they both, Ronnie got um, found guilty by jury, the old Bailey, for the murder of George Cornell. Okay. And Reggie got found guilty for murdering Jack, Jack the Hat, who was killed the year after. Okay. They were, and they were both sentenced to life imprisonment, so they weren't untou- untouchable in the end. Um, Ronnie died in jail in 1995, and Reggie was uh, imprisoned for 32 years. But um, he got released in 2000 because he had cancer, so it was compassionate leave. And then he died a few weeks later after that. What's interesting, though, that their like legend, like legacy almost, is that their um, firm or their protection company sure. was hired. Like they were still going after they were in prison. It's actually reported that Frank Sinatra was said to have hired eighteen bodyguards. From uh, Crayley Enterprises, which was the point of really? the Crayley company. Yeah. Good old um, blue eyes. <laughs> so, yeah, interesting. Um, as we've said, like, obviously there's lots of films made out of the, about them. Um, they're very legendary here. Um, the one that I've watched and you've watched is like, it's called Legend. Sure, um, okay. Tom Hardy's I didn't remember the name of it, yeah. It's called Legend. Tom Hardy's in it. He plays both twins. Very good. It was a very good movie, I thought. I really um, like Tom Hardy. I think he's a great actor. He's a really good actor, yeah. And um, oh, and I watched a like um 
I can't remember what it was, but one of those like internet videos where he was answering questions from little kids and hmm. like like giving them uh, like advice or like it was so cute. It was just adorable. Aww. Yeah. Cute. Um, but in the film, I've been to some of the locations where it was filmed. And also where the Cray Brothers like obviously grew up. Oh right, because my... your grandparents are from there. Yeah. Okay. So my granddad took us on a day trip once um to show us where he grew up, where he was grew up as a lad, as he said. Um we had a coffee in Pelisis or Pelisisi, I can't even say it now. <laughs> Got word vomit. Not word vomit. That your called. tongue tied. Yes, it. Pelicis, which is a lovely cafe on Bethnal Green Road. It's an Italian cafe. They do like like proper coffee and stuff like that. But that was in the film. Oh sure. And, and was it that like around... little green restaurant? Yes, that's the one. Oh yeah, I remember it. I've been there, and they've got a book in there of all the celebrities that have ever been in there. Really? And they've got a picture book. Yeah, and they just like, it's on the desk. Like you can go and have a look at who's like signed up. It's all over the walls as well. Like pictures of famous people. That's really cool. And like, it's been a location. Like it's a, a statement thing of the East End. Yeah, oh, I'm sure. Yeah, it's really nice. And after that, we went to Brick Lane, which was where um, the Cray Brothers actually went to school. And we got bagels there. And there, as my nan and grandma would always tell me, it's not bagels, it's bagels. It's a Jewish thing with salt beef, gherkins and mustard. Oh, okay. Okay. I was confused. They're really good. Okay, sure. They're really good. And then finish off dinner time with a pie mash. <laughs> so pie mash. it was a good day out. We learned a lot about going around. And... Yeah, I'm sure that'd be really cool. Yeah. Just too yeah. cool for you because you're like parents thing and whatever. Exactly. It was nice because like, I love history anyway, obviously, because you can tell. <laughs> um, and having something that you can, re you having something you can relate to, like through someone, it's really interesting to know their story. Yeah, like and you're connected to it because your family yeah. was there. Yeah, that's yeah. cool. I love that. I love that about this, like that sort of, I like that era as well. It's quite an interesting era during that during the lo lo location of, like, the East End. Right, big, sure, yeah. It was a big change. That's really yeah. cool. There you go. The story of the Cray Brothers. That's really interesting, actually. Um, I didn't really know as much about uh, really any kind of British gangster crime thing like that because it mm -hmm. just doesn't seem to me, like, as big just because our gangster situation was just really huge and really... yeah. Obviously, you're a huge country, and yeah, well, and because we had prohibition, yes, and um, that's when and there was prohibition, no yeah, so prohibition just like really let loose, uh, and created a market for these gangsters Crime. to become just like huge, huge influential people. So that's amazing. On that, that note, <laughs> on yes. that note, let me tell you about gangsters in America. Um, Go ahead, specifically. Um, the biggest one, the one you'll know, um, the most popular one, the one with the most notoriety, um, and that would be... Like, that sounds like an introduction. It's like, and we have... <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Well, it kind of is. So I'm going to take you back to um, January of 1899 for a minute. Um, you were... <laughs> like a dream sequence. We're going back. <laughs> <laughs> 
And I feel like the um, if it was a movie, then like the screen would be like wavy for a minute. Of know? course, of course, that's all we. Yeah, dream sequence. Yes. So, <laughs> January eighteen ninety nine, New York City. It's cold, um, and this one day comes, and a baby is born, and this ends up being the most notorious American gangster, and his name was Alphonse Gabriel Capone, aka. Scarface Al Capone. Oh, one minute. Hold up. Scarface Al Capone. Yeah. I thought they were different people. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> so, like, you've seen, or you know the movie Scarface, right? Yes, I've never watched it all the way through. I know the big scene, and that's about it. <laughs> okay, sure. So, like, that's about Al Capone. That's based on Al Capone. Okay. Al Capone. Sorry, that probably was really stupid to our listeners. I'm sorry. Carry on. <laughs> hey, you don't know what you don't know. Exactly. You can't know until someone tells you. Um, but yeah, so Scarface, that was Al Capone. Um, there's tons of movies about him, um, gang inspired, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want to tell you about him, but before I get into him, I absolutely need to talk about somebody else because I mean, essentially there would be no Al Capone at all if it weren't for Johnny Torrio. Mm-hmm. In Johnny Torrio, he was a bookie, loan shark, racketeer in New York City in the uh, early 1900s. Um, He's a young kid. Um, At this time, he's only about, you know, teenage years, right? Um, But he is pretty high up in this gang called the Five Points Gang, and it's the biggest one in New York at the time. Mm -hmm. And so he gets Al Capone to start running, like, small errands for him, and uh, he introduces him to a couple of other people, you know, like... uh, like Frankie Yale, who ends up being a big player later, and um, Lucky Luciano, you've heard of him. He was also in that gang. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, um, I mean, to be honest, there's literally so many gangsters during this time period that if I talked about all of them, we would be here all day. So um, <laughs> Four hour long podcast. <laughs> like there's, Let's tell you every American gangster there was. <laughs> there's just so many, it's ridiculous. So I can't even get into everybody. But um, so anyway... Johnny ends up leaving for Chicago in 1909. And uh, it's it's said that the two of them, um, Johnny Torrio and Al Capone, ended up staying close, even though Johnny was moving to Chicago. Um, I mean, as close, I guess, as you can stay when, you know, you're 10 years old and your 17-year-old mob (gasps) mentor is moving halfway across the country and it's 1909. So they're young as hell at this point. Oh my god, 10 years old and he's already in, like, introduced to crime. Yeah. Wow. And and not to mention, like, how high up, like, Johnny Torrio is, and he's only 17. Wow. Um, and so, anyway, Johnny Torrio ends up moving to Chicago to work as, um, I guess, as muscle, I suppose, for this guy called Big Chim. Big, ugh, Big Chim. <laughs> Big, Big Chim? No, Big Jim. Uh, I think. <laughs> no, Big Chip. <laughs> yeah, I think it's, I think his last name is pronounced Colosimo. It's either Colosimo or Colosimo. I'm not sure. I'm not really great at Italian pronunciation, but Big Jim. That's his name. Okay. Um, Possibly, I guess he referred to him as his uncle, but there's not really any evidence to say that he was actually his uncle. So we don't know. Um, But so Johnny moves and goes to work for Big Jim. And he's like that dude in Chicago right now. He's 27. He's heading up the biggest gang in the city. And it's called the Chicago Outfit. So 
Torio is keeping in touch with Al Capone, I guess. Um, and Capone is still up in New York. He gets involved with some smaller gangs like the uh, the Junior 40 Thieves, the Bowery Boys, um, the Brooklyn Rippers. And then eventually he's fully into the Five Points gang um, in Lower Manhattan, which is now being ran by Frankie Yale, um, which, like I said, Frankie Yale mm-hmm. had been introduced to Al by Torio. He used to be a mentor, a mentee, sorry, of Torio as well, because Torio was just kind of had his hands over everyone um, at that time. And so Frankie Yale makes Al a bouncer and a bartender at the Harvard Inn in Coney Island. Mm-hmm. And he's kind of at this time. still in New York, yeah? Yeah, still. Yeah, Coney yeah. Island is in New York, yeah. You've heard of Coney I, Island, right? I think I have. Is that where the fun fairs are? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's like there's like uh uh what do you call them? Merry rounds? Yeah. Carousel. There we go. <laughs> wow. Oh merry go rounds. Yeah, but a, a, it would be a carousel. The merry go round is I think not powered, Did- right? Ah, no, do you know what? I've, I know the difference between this. I found this out the other, other week, actually. This That's is so, so sad. <laughs> I know. A carousel is horses only. A merry-go-round is other animals and carts. Oh. There oh. you go. <laughs> That's bizarre. Okay, cool. Yeah, so, I, yeah but yeah. yeah, you get the picture. That's Coney Island. Um, so anyway, um, Al is kind of a little bit of a drunk at the time. Like He's not really got his shit together at this point. Um, but he's working as a bartender and a bouncer at the Harvard Inn, Coney Island, and he's like, makes this indecent remark to this woman. Uh, I I don't know what he said, but he insulted her in some way, probably hitting on her. And his brother, her brother, does not take this well, and he um, ends up slashing him. This guy's name is Frank Galuccio, and I'm sure this ends up being his claim to fame for the rest of his life. Because he puts the scars on Al Capone's face that gives him uh, the infamous nickname and creates Scarface. Wow, okay. Um, which apparently that nickname, Al Capone, like, he hated it. He didn't like it at all. He would turn That's, the other way for pictures. Everyone has, been, everyone has their own, like, self-consciousness. Right, like, yeah. So he's super insecure about these scars, but, like... Yeah. It really bolstered his um, reputation as like this hard, oh, really? like you know, hard guy because he you know has these big scars across his face. But he hated them as supposedly. But anyway, so now um, we're coming into that time. This is going to be like really big gangster time because the prohibition is about to start. Um, the uh, Thompson Annihilator submachine gun has just been invented in 1918, aka the Tommy gun. Right, when I think Tommy Gun, I think of that movie with the kids. Oh, what's it uh, called? The movie with the kids. Yeah, where they're like gangsters. That's so vague, it could be anything. Um, Bugsy Malone. Oh. <laughs> okay. That's what I think of when okay, I think sure. Tommy Gun. Isn't that bad? Because that's like a custard gun. In the- no that's not bad i mean that's like a thing though like every it was a huge that was the gun of choice for american gangsters it was created for like the war was Um, it like the first sort of like it was a machine gun wasn't it yeah it's a machine submachine yeah yeah um but it had like the round barrel on it yeah 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 Yeah. so anyway like these gangsters love it it turns into their gun of choice um prohibition (laughs) starts and you know bootlegging is about to become a thing 
So and bootlegging is bootlegging is the illegal um, production and selling of alcohol um, right. during prohibition because okay. prohibition obviously you can't yeah. alcohol is illegal consumption. So it's, it's not- consumption and also making it yeah i'm guessing and sale and everything like it's just illegal period everything yeah so i mean that's when we start getting like um rum runners and like people that are like running moonshine out of tennessee they're getting alcohol Mm. from canada they're getting alcohol from you guys you're sending it over like yeah just all sorts of illegal activity going on so it's really creating like a big market for Mm. these gangsters to make a crap ton of money Mm -hmm. so um in 1920 Al's dad dies of a heart attack, um, and Johnny Torrio invites him to come to New York um, and be a bouncer at a brothel. So he goes. He's working at the brothel. He's fucking around. Mind you, he's married. Um, but he gets syphilis. No. Serves him right, cheating on his wife. But anyway. So syphilis is where, like, you go a bit crazy, isn't it? Only if it moves to your brain. Which, like, what? there's treatment for syphilis, but if you don't treat it and it spreads, it can get in and become, like, neurosyphilis. Right. And then it will mess up your brain. So, okay. anyway, he has contracted syphilis in 1920. Yeah. Um, and then, so... Not too long after this, Johnny Torrio gets in his head, you know, like, he's, he's done with Big Jim. Uh, so... He calls his old pal, uh, Frankie Yale, from New York, and brings him on out to Chicago to personally kill uh, Big Jim in May of 1920, and Johnny Torrio takes over as head of the Chicago outfit. Right. So he's moved from New York over to Chicago because he killed Jim. But wasn't that? It was his friend. Well, it was his, one of his mentors, wasn't it? Yeah, Big Jim for Johnny Torrio. Yeah, but Johnny Torrio is like, all right, I want to take over the Chicago outfit. We got to get Big Jim out of here. So he kills him, Um, has his friend come over from New York to do it. Kind of like keeps him a little separated from it. Anyway, so he's in charge now. And as the 20s are progressing, um, bootlegging is getting bigger. Um, Johnny Torrio and Al Capone is his right-hand man, are going to preside over this giant expansion of the Chicago outfit that at with the addition of bootlegging to their other like rackets, you know, gambling, prostitution, et cetera, and like mm-hmm. pro- intimidation protection, they're literally making millions of dollars in a time well, in that, that I was gonna say in a time when most Americans are lucky to make four or five thousand dollars in a year, they're wow. making hundreds of millions of dollars. So it's really lucrative. They're, I mean, they have so much money they don't know what to do with it, right? So, um, the mayor of Chicago in 1923, um, he wants to rid the city of corruption. And so it's getting kind of hot for the Chicago outfit. And they decide, you know, we're going to move our base of operations into a suburb. So they moved to Cicero. Um, and then inconveniently, just after that, in 24, Cicero's mayoral election is coming up. And one of the candidates, you know, that would be a threat to their business. They have a candidate that they want, but this other candidate is probably going to win. Oh, so they were running like they were trying to control. Right. Like they want they want the guy that's in their pocket to be the one that's elected. So mm-hmm. they start this like big intimidation effort and they're trying to get their candidate elected. And it gets a little out of hand to the point that some of the voters are actually shot and killed. 
um, because they're trying to prevent people from voting for this other guy because um, they want their dude to be in office. Um, so that obviously not great. <laughs> but then so the Chicago outfit gets, you know, bigger and they come to control the Chicago Loop, which is um, the downtown area, um, as well as like a bunch of the south side. Um, this is, you know, obviously it's going well for them. They're making a ton of money, but they're also starting to have some tension with the other gang that's in town, which is the North side gang. Um, and that's an Irish gang led by Dean O'Banion. Yeah. And they've been, you know, having like a little tit for tat or like, what did you call it? Uh, Um, I've forgotten what I said. Yeah, it was like tit for tat. Yeah, but you called it some funny British word. Uh, tit tat titter tattling. Titter, oh, t- does that yeah. whatever it was? They were tit tattling. They were tit tattling. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but yes, yeah, so it was kind of like that too. The same thing, but then it kind of like boils over um, when um, O'Banion ends up cheating Johnny Torrio out of a five hundred thousand dollar deal um, for this brewery. And it causes Johnny Torrio to get arrested. And he's pissed, obviously. So he orders he orders O'Banion um, to be killed. Wow. And so November 1924, O'Banion is murdered on the north side um, by, again, Frankie Yale coming from New York to kind of do Johnny Torrio's business. So he's like an expensive hitman. Well, actually, Frankie Yale is now in New York heading up the Five Points gang, which is the biggest gang in New York. Um, And he actually ends up creating the first, um, like the the Five Points gang ends up becoming the first new style, like mafia family. So he's a big deal in New York. But like Mm -hmm. Johnny Torrio just has his hands on everyone. I don't know. He's just very influential. Um, he was a mentor mm-hmm. to Frankie Yale and also Al Capone, and they were very, like, devoted to him. So, mm-hmm. um, anyway, so Frankie Yale and a couple of other guys come, and they murder O'Banion, and this creates a just brutal, um, like, gang war between the Northside gang and the outfit. Wow. Um, so in retaliation for O'Banion being killed, the, a couple of Northsiders, including Bugs Moran, who is going to be the new head of the Northside, um, gang in the beginning of 1925, they attack Johnny Torrio in retaliation, um, outside of his apartment and they strike him jaw, lungs, groin, legs, abdomen, beat him literally to within an inch of his life. Um, so he's barely hanging on, but they get him to the hospital. He survives. Um, Al has men guarding Johnny Torrio in the hospital, like around the clock, 24 seven, mm-hmm. making sure that he's safe. Um, but Johnny Torrio is a little like, you know, freaked out by this. He's like, I don't want to die, blah, blah, blah. I got to get out of here. So he retires to Europe. Um, he moves back to Italy. Okay. Um, and he, hands over the entire million dollar Chicago outfit to Al Capone, who at the time is 26 years old. Oh my gosh, that's younger than I am. And he's running a... He's running a multi-million dollar business. Criminal operation, yeah. Um, He's really like the big man in town now. So this is when 
Scarface really comes into the height of his power. So mm-hmm. he decides that Johnny Torrio's like low profile uh, stra- strategy is not for him. So he moves the headquarters of the gang to this really fancy suite in the Metropole Hotel in downtown Chicago and starts being like really um, publicly luxurious lifestyle, spending a ton of money. Um, I mean, of course, like he's avoiding a paper trail, so he's always using cash, but he's like this huge celebrity. The press loves him. He has a great personality. He's very generous um, and uh, outgoing, outspoken, gregarious, and He's Mm -hmm. known, like, um, kind of as a Robin Hood type of figure um, because Mm -hmm. people are pissed about Prohibition. And, like, even... Obviously. Yeah, and even Al Capone is, like, um, saying, you know, I'm just providing a service that people need. I'm not doing anything wrong. I'm just... Mm -hmm. People want this. I'm just giving the public what they want. Everyone wants a drink on a Friday night. (laughs) Everyone wants one. Well, and especially during Prohibition because as soon as you tell people they can't do it, that's the first thing they want to do. It's so trendy. Right. Plus, like, this is the time when, like, credit is a big thing. So, like, everybody's life is, like, very um, party, glamorous. Like, Uh, it's the the Gilded Age of America. Mm -hmm. So... Anyway, people are, like, loving him. He's known to literally hand out $100 bills on the street. Um, and it's just crazy. And he's very generous even, like, after you get out of the 20s when people um, – because, of course, you know about the Great Depression that happens in the 30s, um, mm-hmm. which we can talk about another time because it's its own thing. But during the Depression, Al Capone sets up soup kitchens around Chicago – um, so he's really, like, trying to give back to the public. So people do like him. He has kind of a mixed, because, mm-hmm. um, of course, like, he's this really violent person. So it, he does kind of have a little mixed thing, but a lot of the public really does like him. Mm-hmm. Um, and at this point, he's just a major celebrity. Um, but anyway, so um, in 1926, uh, there's a couple of guys that are – sworn enemies of Al Capone. He's just not having it with them, you know? And they're spotted in Cicero. So he's like, cool, guys, gun them down, get rid of these guys. Um, And his, so he's got, you know, his top guys on it. And they don't realize, and Al Capone doesn't realize, that there's another guy there who is a prosecutor who had actually previously tried to prosecute Al Capone for murder. Um, and he was there too. So in addition to these two guys that Al Capone wanted dead, this prosecutor, um, his name is William McSwiggin. He also gets killed. And this, um, kind of sparks some anger towards Al Capone. Um, and the government is a little more like trying to get rid of him. Right. Mm -hmm. So they're pissed about the fact that like basically all of Chicago is like lawless at this point. It's just completely run by gangsters. Um, and they're, they're not happy with it anymore so they don't have any evidence because the outfit and the other gangs are so good at um covering up their crimes and stuff they don't have any evidence for murder so instead they raid all of their businesses and try to gather like as much documentation as they can Um, and they end up eventually being able to use this to bolster charges against him for income tax evasion because weirdly enough like um in like 1927, just a little bit after this, the Supreme yeah. Court rules that income that you get from illegal activities is still taxable. 
So that's eventually why he ends up going to prison is because of tax evasion because they literally can't get him on anything ah, else. I see. But they're trying to get him off the street, but they can't get him for anything else. So they they bolster up these tax what evasion. A strange. What a strange way to get someone. I right. suppose it was like a tactic. Like they can't get him on anything else, but they have to get him off from some, for something. Right. Exactly. So it was kind of this um, idea of this guy called Elliot Ness, and Elliot Ness is a. Um, now like famous uh, American prohibition agent. And he brings down Al Capone with this tax evasion charge along with his team, which he has a team of people that end up becoming known as the untouchables because they wouldn't take any bribes from. I think I've heard of them. Yeah. It's been, it was a TV show. There was a movie, like there's a whole bunch of stuff about them. There's a book um, about the untouchables that they just were like, immune to the corruption. So that's how they ended up being able to take down um, Al Capone. Mm -hmm. Um, But anyway, so we're not quite to his fall yet. Um, He is still operating bootlegging operations, still having issues with Bugs Moran over at the Northside gang. Um, They're butting heads over the bootlegging operations and they start a turf war, um, which ends up, leading up to this thing called the St. Valentine's Day Massacre in 1929. Oh, I've heard of this. Yes. So that's a big problem. Um, but uh, Moran, Bugs Moran, is pissed he's after um, Al Capone's top hitman. His name is Machine Gun Jack McGurn. Um, mm-hmm. Not to be confused with Machine Gun Kelly, who is a different gangster in Tennessee. Um, I'm sorry, I'm now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that too. Um, <laughs> but so anyway, so Machine Gun uh, Jack McGurn is being targeted by Bugs Moran. And so Capone and McGurn are like, all right, we got to get rid of Moran. This enough's enough. And they set up uh, this trap for him on February 14th, of course, Valentine's Day, 1929. Um, and they end up, um, Jack McGurn and a couple of guys end up taking down seven of Moran's men. Uh, they murder them in a North side garage. Um, but Moran is like kind of tipped off to this. So he ends up not being killed, even though he was the original target. Um, but this like, again, sparks huge outrage in the public. Like a ton of people are massacred, you know? Um, mm-hmm. well, not a ton of people by today's standards, but at the time, a ton of people, right? Cause we get lots of mass shootings in America now. So Mm-hmm. That's a different topic. Mm-hmm. Um, but so these people die, people are pissed, and Al Capone is actually in Florida at the time. He's not in Chicago. He has a home in Miami as well. Um, so that's where he's at. But nobody for one second believes that he's not involved. They're like, this was Al Capone. And he mm-hmm. becomes public enemy number one in Chicago. Right. So there's a huge public outcry. Um, The president at the time, Herbert Hoover, um, orders all of these things to happen. You know, they want to get Al Capone and then also like the head of the FBI, which is J. Edgar Hoover. Um, They're, you know, they're like, enough's enough. We got to get rid of this guy. He's becoming a national problem, right? What? So they, uh, with along with Elliot Ness and the Untouchables, create this... uh, charge against him for tax evasion. And in 1931, they officially indict him on 22 counts of tax evasion. Um, He owes a ton of money in back taxes. 
Um, but really for him, I think it's only, I can't remember the exact number. I didn't write it down, but I think it was only like 200,000 or 500,000 or something. So like he's making hundreds of millions. It's really mm-hmm. not that much money for him. Um, even though it is a lot of money, but anyway, yeah, so, yeah. so anyway, um, th- they have strong evidence against him. They're not worried that they're not going to be able to get him, you know, even though this is mm-hmm. not a murder charge, it's the best that they can do. They still are like, okay, we can get him put away for a little while at least. Um, but Capone is like, nah, like I got this. I'm run this town. I'm not worried. <laughs> and he's getting big, big, big for his boots. Yeah, a bit. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so he strikes a plea bargain for a two and a half year sentence if he pleads guilty. And so he's like, cool, this will be fine. I'll go to jail for a couple years. No big deal. But the judge in the case goes, no, I absolutely, this isn't cool. It's not happening. I'm not doing it. We're going to trial. So Al Capone's like, cool, I'm not pleading guilty anymore. Whatever, we're going to trial. And during this trial, he's like, I can still get off. I'm going to bribe off and intimidate the jury, and I'm going to get off. But the judge is like hip to this. He knows this is going on. So he switches out for an entirely new jury at the last minute. And Mm -hmm. Al Capone is found guilty and sent to prison for 11 years. Right. So from two to 11. Yeah. Although like thinking about like all the people he killed, 11 years is like not enough. (laughs) Yeah. But, um, and don't forget all the tax evasion charges. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, um, Anyway, so the first two years of him being incarcerated, he is in a federal prison in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, Mm -hmm. But he gets caught bribing guards at the prison because he's fucking Al Capone, so of course he's doing that. Yeah. Um, But so they move him um, in 1934 to a brand new federal prison. I mean, brand new to the federal prison's uh, bureau, but it had been a United States military prison before that. Um, but so August 1934, um, Alcatraz becomes a federal prison, and that is where Al Capone gets sent. Right, and that's the one on the island in San Fran, yeah? Yes. So Alcatraz, of course, is notorious itself. Um, it is the most secure, strongest prison in the U.S., um, said to be escape-proof. Although mm. I think one there is one guy that did escape. Um, but I don't remember yeah. exactly his story. But I mean, it's cold, shark infested waters around it. I, it's I on it island. Shark yeah, so it's just yeah. like people can't can't get out, and it's like Laura's been like Laura's visited it. I think like oh yeah, our Laura has Laura. gone and yeah has gone to see it with her family, and she done like the audio tour of it, and shit. It was really quite brutal. Yeah, that see, like, that's what I thought. And it's creepy, yeah. and there's um, a ton of like there's movies and stuff about Alcatraz and. Uh, people talk about how There's a, bad it is and things like that. Apparently, they've got a shiv museum there. Oh, that's how what people make yeah. shivs. <laughs> that's a very prison it's thing, kind of, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but yeah, so this was like, I mean, the most ruthless of all of the killers and criminals in the country were housed at Alcatraz. So, I mean, you've got Al Capone, of you've course. Got you've got uh, the Birdman of Alcatraz, aka like Robert Franklin Stroud, is his name. Um, mm-hmm. George Machine Gun Kelly, the one that we were talking about from Tennessee, he's there. Um, a guy called Bumpy Johnson, uh, Whitey Bulger, you know him, and uh, a couple of other like nasty people. Um, mm-hmm. Raphael Cancel Miranda. Um, I love the name Raphael. Sorry, <laughs> it's 
a lovely name. I think it's biblical, isn't it? I think Is that's it? an angel's name, yeah. I don't know. I'm not religious. I've never read the Bible, but that sounds right to me. Um, but anyway, so totally outside, like isolated while he's in Alcatraz, he can't wield that power that he is used to. Um, and he's kind of going downhill in his health as well, because like we said, his syphilis has not been treated. He now is suffering from neurosyphilis. He has dementia. Um, and he eventually, um, in November, 1939, he gets released um, after serving just seven years and six months and 15 days, um, according to the FBI website. Uh, and he had paid back all of his fines and his back taxes, which, like I said, was no big deal for him because it really wasn't a ton of money in his Absolutely in his mind. Um, so at this time, too, like, so he gets released and goes to a mental hospital in Baltimore, Maryland. Um, that's on the East Coast, kind of by, like... Uh, uh, in between New York and Washington, D.C. Yeah. Um, so he gets released there, and he is uh, eventually in 1946, when he's 47, he is uh, examined by a psychiatrist as well as his physician, and they come to conclude that he has the mentality of a 12-year-old at this point. So he literally can't go back to being a gangster. It's impossible for him. You know, yeah. he just can't. Um, which like he was a smart guy like he was not stupid at all it was just this syphilis that like created like this deterioration in his brain Mm -hmm. um and i didn't know he'd done that i didn't know yeah about syphilis really so yeah so um anyway he ends up moving to florida with his wife and um, his son he has a son named uh, they call him Sonny, but uh he's (laughs) he's albert francis capone jr um but they call him Sonny. Anyway, he's uh, living in Florida with his family. He eventually dies in 1947. You know, he's 48 years old. Um, Very young. Yeah, and, well, but he's in terrible health. He had a stroke um, and pneumonia, <clears throat> and that's what led him down. Um, his son uh, eventually, like, changed his name to Albert Francis Brown, which, like, there's a couple of different accounts. Like, some people say, oh, he... It was a, uh, a alias that his father had used before, so it was kind of like staying with him. But then there's other people saying that he changed it to that so that he could kind of eliminate his connection to his dad um, and kind of get away mm-hmm. from that criminal reputation. He was not a criminal. He he got yeah. he got arrested once in his life. I think uh, it was for shoplifting in 1965. Yeah, that's right. Um, and he had a probation sentence for a couple of years, but other than that, he was a pretty upstanding citizen. Um, there was actually a letter that Al wrote to his son while he was in prison at Alcatraz that, uh, that got sold at auction in 2016 for, uh, $62,500 in Massachusetts. Yeah. Um, I'd love to read that letter. I saw part of it online, but like didn't end up reading the whole thing, but um, but the Chicago outfit, uh, it did not go under after Capone's arrest. Um, oh, really? Al Capone had handpicked a successor. Um, his name was Frank Needy. Uh, he was one of the top henchmen. Uh, he was in charge of all the money like coming in through the operation. So he takes over as the Chicago outfits leader, um, per Al Capone's wishes. But, um, I guess there was an underboss. His name was Paul Rica, who, 
ended up like kind of taking secondary power. Um, and he, yeah, but he was acknowledged as the boss by the leaders of like the growing National Crime Syndicate, which the National Crime Syndicate is this thing actually that uh, remember we mentioned Lucky Luciano a little while ago. Mm-hmm. And Lucky Luciano created um, the commission, which is like where previously they had had, you know, a bunch of gangs, but then there would be like a boss of all bosses, like this one who was just in charge of everyone else. Um, but they got rid of that by creating the uh, uh, commission. commission. Yeah, sorry, the commission. And so that would be like the five New York crime family bosses would come together as well as the head of the Chicago outfit and the head of the Buffalo crime family. Um, and they would get together for the commission and this kind of created the National Crime Syndicate Um and that's so interesting they they thought they'd like it's so interesting they're setting rules yeah it's like they all get together yeah they it's the goal of it is to like prevent turf wars so it's like all the gangs want to be able to work together like harmoniously i guess like so okay that's like whole thing is happening but um actually the last known commission meeting with all of the crime bosses was in 1985 um, but the uh, National Crime Syndicate's first meeting was in uh, 1929 in Atlantic City, and that had kind of been wow. set forward by Johnny Torrio as well. He had kind of put this idea into Lucky Luciano, and then Lucky Luciano had created it's it. Sort of, he sort of gap in the market, that's what it was. Yeah, he's he was all over the place. Yeah, but, niche. Yeah. So um, anyway, Rika, Paul Rika that I had said was mm-hmm. kind of having like underneath power. He's recognized as the boss by all these crime syndicate leaders um but he ruled over the outfit either like in name or in fact for the next 40 years um oh, really? yeah and then uh the the outfit the chicago outfit changed hands and grew like over a bunch of years and stuff and they spread but it still exists today and um, the chicago outfit um and that's bananas it, it's just like that... huge thing but of course like all of the mafia families and stuff like that's still a thing oh, cool as well thing. Um, so, I mean, (laughs) it's just huge, but the height of its power and the height of its, um, popular, I guess like celebrity was in the twenties when it was just huge, huge, huge. And, um, and people knew about it. It was very like front facing, especially with Al Capone being like in the papers and everything like that. So, um, yeah, that's pretty much it, but yeah, it's really interesting. I mean, I just think it's crazy. Apparently, there was also, like, um, so I know I talked about Elliot Ness, like, taking him down. Mm-hmm. But supposedly, I had never heard this until I was kind of looking this up. There was also this group called The Secret Six, um, which, like, nobody knows who these people were. Um, a bunch of people, I guess, claimed, like, deathbed confessions that they were part of The Secret Six, but, like, way more than six people. So someone's lying. Um, but this is, like, a group of millionaires like rich people in Chicago that were like trying to take Al Capone down as well because they were just sick of his shit (laughs) and so they ended up creating a speakeasy in Cicero which was called the Garage Cafe and they did this to try to um get information and stuff so they could feed it to the government and they could do some things that the government really couldn't do um so they would like pay for witnesses to like go hide in South America until they could you know testify and stuff like that 
Um, But they were so, like, genuinely so secret. Like, nobody knew who they were. Like, even um, there was this journalist who actually gave them the name, the Secret Six. Um, His name is James Doherty. Um, And 20 years later, he wrote an article um, called Curtains for Capone. And he wrote that to this day, there has been no disclosure of the identity of the crime fighters known as the Secret Six. Even I don't know who they are. And I gave them the name that went all over the world in 1930. Okay. Do you you have, well, do you think you'll you'll ever find out who the Secret Six were? Because I don't think so. There's just been so many. No, there's just so many people have confessed to it. Like there's, you know what I mean? Like that you really can't tell. So there's, you know, it's like, do you have like government files that go public? Oh, yeah. After a certain amount of time. That's what I mean. Do you think? Maybe. I don't think that they were like official though. Like they weren't like, they were kind of just doing it on their own and like helping out. But I don't think that they were like officially sanctioned by government. Ah, okay. Um, Because like most of our crimes, like big crimes, obviously the government holds information and after a certain amount of period of time, it then goes public. Yeah, us too. Yeah, us too. They release information after so long and stuff like that. But yeah, I don't know. It's just crazy. But, yeah, so that is Al Capone. He was a big man. Yeah. Yeah. Well, young man, really. I mean, the height of his power, he was, like, 30. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. Like, what have I done when I was 30? I've just moved out of my own, like... You're not 30. (laughs) And you're like, what have I done when I was 30? Like, you're 27, dude. (laughs) I know, but, like... You haven't gotten there yet. (laughs) I'm, like... I'm 28 this year. I'm like two years away from 30. And and you're definitely not running the head. You're not the head of a crime exactly. syndicate at this point. Like, exactly. <laughs> where is my crime boss years? <laughs> I'm nowhere near being the head of the Chicago outfit. Pissed. Yeah. I bullshit. This is bullshit. <laughs> Nobody told me to do errands when I was 10. The fuck? I didn't get my crime connections. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. But but yeah, he was a millionaire. I mean, he was just wow. yeah. But it's mixed, you know. People have mixed feelings about him. They're like, obviously, he was a terrible murderer, but he gave back to the community in a way that, you know, he gave jobs to a bunch of people in Chicago when jobs were scarce and stuff like that. So a lot of people have like warm feelings towards him. And then mm-hmm. there's places in Chicago like you can go to like um, places that. I guess, like, there's some speakeasies that are still there or, like, a lot of places will, like, claim that they have, you know, like, gang stuff, like, bullet holes or whatever. And, like, whether or not that's true, oh, I, don't, yeah. I don't know. But, but Well, we yeah. visited. Your cousin mentioned that, actually, to me. Did she? Because I feel like I yeah. thought that that was on sh- that TV show, Shameless. No. No, she mentioned that there's bullet holes and stuff. I wanted to go and see the shameless house, but you guys would not take me. Because no one wanted to take you to the south side. No, you said, yeah. Cause I wanted to go and see the um, Home Alone house as well, and apparently that was too far. <laughs> I think that's in, like, some fancy suburb, isn't it? Yeah. It's too far away. Yeah. Yeah. Chicago's yeah. cool, though. I haven't been I there really, in a while. I really, really liked it. I love Chicago. I really liked it. It's nice to I go there with my great. cousin. Visit my cousin. It was was brilliant when I went, and it was lovely. It was a lovely stay. Yeah. And it looked pretty, too, because it was snowing at the time. Although it was fucking freezing. Guys guys in the UK, they have a Nando's there. That's one of the only things I've seen in, like, Nando's in America. (laughs) And I was like, what the hell? Oh, my God. Like, 
Because you guys don't have Nando's, do you? No, not really. Um, but, well, there's one in Chicago. And yeah. I was like, what? <laughs> it's not like but, a common uh, chain here, no. No. Yeah. But there's one thing I wouldn't try in Chicago, because Chicago's um, obviously well known for their deep dish pizza. And that seems absolutely disgusting to me. <laughs> um, to be honest, I'm really not a fan of deep dish pizza. I, it just is... It's so much. It's like really, really, really uh, filling. Um, yeah, and they're pretty expensive. Like, well, yeah, because it's like been told ten, it's, it's really, huge. Really it, yeah, it's yeah. really, really thick, and some people really love it. It's not for me. I would rather mm. have a New York style pizza for sure. Um, yeah, thin, thin all the way. Yeah, me too. But I mean, hey, it's the Midwest. They can do whatever they want. And I also talk on Chicago. I love the film Chicago. It's one of my favorite musicals. Oh yeah, that's Fun a whole fact. that's a whole other story. Let me tell you, because that is based on something that happened in real life, and I can yeah, tell yeah, you that know. story another time. Okay, yeah, you will have to because yeah. that, that is I love Chicago. Yeah. It's so funny because okay, so remember when um, we first started talking about um, going to visit Chicago when you came to see me, and mm-hmm. um, you thought originally you thought Chicago was a state. <laughs> because yeah which is not like it's not crazy for you to think that because like honestly even people that live in Illinois would be like there's Chicago and then there's Illinois like they're not the same thing really even though Chicago is inside Illinois yeah. it's just like not the same environment you know it's not the same no. vibe as the rest of the state so but I'm really, really I'm not surprised that you place. did you know because why would you have heard of you know people just say Chicago yeah, it was really cool to say that I've been to Chicago. I, it's a lovely city. I really do enjoy yeah. it. It's and it's nice in the summer. I know you went there in the winter with me, but in the yeah. summer it's really lovely too because Lake Michigan is really nice. Um, it was. You know, I saw this crazy. picture. I saw this picture on the internet um, uh, from the other side of Lake Michigan, so on the Michigan side, where yeah. the sun was setting. And you could see the um, Chicago skyline in the sun from the other really? side, from in Michigan. Yeah. Wow. Isn't that cool? That is cool. Yeah. But that's... I would like to do that boat. Do you see that? Remember that big boat that we saw? In the, Is it the harbor bit or the pier? On Navy Pier? Yeah. Um, Navy Pier is cool. It would be cooler again, like, in the summer. Because um, mm-hmm. in the wintertime, it's, like, that, so um... cold. It's, like, you just can't wait to get inside. I had my first um, fried pickle there at Navy Pier, and it was delicious. Did you? Like, oh, where yes. I don't. I know for part of it, um, for part of our trip there, like I stayed at the hotel because I didn't feel good, and you went off yeah. with my family, which was great. Was really I love that cool. my family we like loves you, but yeah, um, that was really. Cool. They we left me behind. They left me behind to the hotel while yeah. everybody else went to go. You were cream yeah. crackered. You were... I was very tired, yeah. Yeah, you needed a nap. I needed a rest. I was not feeling well. And when um, Jess needs a nap, she needs a nap. <laughs> oh, hell no, I ain't playing. I'm done. <laughs> Peace out. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm grouchy as so. hell. Yeah. But, but no, it was a it but was we a didn't get to stay. Trip. Yeah, we didn't get to stay with Megan because there were too many of us yeah. who couldn't stay at Megan's apartment. So. Next but the hotel was nice, I... wasn't it? It was absolutely lovely. Yeah, yeah it was swimming, really... Yeah. And it was nice. It was nice to have a little hot tub when it was literally like zero degrees outside. Fahrenheit, Fahrenheit, UK people. Zero degrees Fahrenheit, colder than zero degrees Celsius. Yeah. 
So it was about minus, I'm going to say, at the coldest point, about 12, 13, minus 12, 13. You think? I don't know. I'm bad at, yeah, my, I'm bad at my Celsius Fahrenheit conversion. I do know I I that my, feel like, my ideal well, you know, weather, you, yeah. I feel like my ideal weather in Celsius is about 37. 37. Yeah, because I feel like that's pretty close to like 90, Yeah, which is yeah. my my range. That's my favorite place. If it's a okay. good 85, 90, super sunny and burning my skin to a crisp, I love it. Oh, that's like death for me. I know. I have, it, but it's either way for me. Like I I have bad temperature controls. My body does not like yeah. You don't like the cold. Hot. Well, because England is just so tempid. Like it's fall all year long. It's just never hot. Yeah. It's never cold. It's just medium as hell. So today, um, my Australian family came round. Yeah. Right. And they brought coats and gloves and hats with them. Like bear in mind, it's it's summer here, as they call it, and it was like twenty three. So that I don't know what that is. So it's seventies, probably. I don't remember. Seventies. We'll have to correct this probably. I'm gonna like put it in the description or whatever. Let them Google it. Notice. If you guys want to know, Google it yourself. Yeah, You're Google welcome. it yourself. Yeah. <laughs> We're not um, here to do your homework. We did enough. <laughs> yeah, we did enough. Um but we're all in shorts and t-shirts today because it's lovely, bright and sunny. And they're like, oh, it's not lovely, jumpers. They're they're winter. Like they're saying, oh, it's 26 degrees. They're in their winter and it's cold. That is our regular sunny, hot summer's day. It's 26. I know because you guys don't understand weather. Because no. <laughs> you guys are insane. Like the sun will be out and you're like, cool, shorts, tank tops. But it's literally like 60 degrees outside. It's not warm at all. It's fucking cold. But you're like, it's, it's a lovely summer. It gets like 80 there once a year for one day, mm-hmm. maybe. And you're well, like actually like had- 70, 72 is like roasting. Remember when we went to the beach? Um, we went to Mersey. Uh. And it was 71 degrees outside, guys, on the beach. So it's like the water, like the air coming off the water is making it feel a little bit colder. The It's not a nice beach either. It's not like nice sand. It's like dirt and mud and <laughs> it's not nice. Okay. Stones. Yeah. And like muck. And <laughs> it was a cute beach house though, wasn't it? We had a beach hut that day. It's a cute beach hut. I guess. Beach, beach hut. huts aren't like a thing for me, but I know that that's a nice like UK thing that you guys do. Um, it's like a shed. It's like a shed that you can make tea in and UK. that's it. It's literally like yeah. a shed. It's tiny. It's it just go cute. in, make your tea, sit down on a little bench. There's enough room in it for two to three people max. And you just put a <laughs> chair so outside nice. of it. You put a chair outside of it and pretend like I have a little beach cottage when you have a little beach shed that you can make tea in and that's it. <laughs> you make everything so bad. Like, that's <laughs> our traditions over here. We like a beach hut. That's fancy to us. If you go and hire a beach hut, do you know how expensive <laughs> they are? I love how you say to hire a beach hut. Like, it's going to come to you and do your, do your bidding. <laughs> I'm gonna hire a beach hut. It's my concierge for the day. You do hire out a beach hut, right? Sure, sure, sure. And it costs like 80, 90 pounds for the day. That's not a lot. But it is a lot for the fact it that it's a freaking shed. shed. Exactly. <laughs> like it's you could bring a tent and have more room. Yeah. But, but people you can't make like, your tea in it, which is like British people will lose their freaking minds. And if they you don't can't charge tea. your phone because a lot of them don't have electric. Well, 
my God. But anyway, so we're on this beach. It's like 71 degrees. Sophie's wearing a tank top. She says, she keeps like waving her hands. She's like, I'm roasting. I'm like so hot. I'm melting. And I'm wearing long pants and a sweater. And I'm like, I could use a jacket. I'm a bit cold. <laughs> and, and what happened though? I got burnt to a crisp that And day, I was, I? yeah, but you can get burnt in overcast. Your skin's also like not used to the sun. But I mean, the fact that you're like melting and I'm like, I need a blanket. <laughs> we just don't yeah. have the same body climate. No, I just can't. I just can't handle it. Oh, and remember when we went, uh, we went to Poland and it was like 90. It was lovely. It was so nice. It was beautiful. The sun was shining and Sophie was losing her freaking tits over this heat. <gasps> oh, that train ride, the two hour train ride. It was, oh an, it was gosh, 30 jobs. minutes. This was a 30 minute train ride. Don't let her tell you it was two hours. It was I'm sorry, 30 it was minutes. Not- no, it was not. It was I, like three hours. It was a 30-minute train ride from Krakow to that city that starts with an O that I can't pronounce that has Auschwitz. No, it, it was not 30 minutes. Yes, it freaking was. It was like 36 it minutes. An hour and a half. No, it hell no, it wasn't. Yes, it was. <laughs> so bullshit. <laughs> but it was Why like, did I fell asleep? Like I fell this asleep. This was a That's hot train though, let's be real. The train oh, was sure. hot <laughs> as hell. Because there was no it was old, like a really old train. Oh yeah. And it was like metal and stuff, nothing like new at all. It probably was like what, fifties, sixties, you think? Yeah. It was an old train. There's like no airflow whatsoever. Ugh, um so it gross. was it was a and little toasty. Seats. Yeah, it was a bit so toasty. Oh, my my yeah. legs stuck to the seat. Oh, and then we had issues because we don't speak Polish. Oh yeah. And they were trying to, like, check our tickets. And the guy that was checking tickets only spoke Polish. He didn't speak English. And then we were having a hard time communicating. So we are like, trying to Google Translate on our phone, which actually worked, thankfully. Yeah. Um, but there were, like, other yeah. people. Because, you know, a lot of people um, speak English there and Polish. And, like, I feel like the people that were around us knew what both sides were saying and were, like, making fun of us. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but it ended up getting worked out. But <laughs> it was... Yeah. Sophie's frustration because she was so hot. I don't she was do, so I hot, a... like so insanely hot, but she was just so irritated that we couldn't understand this person. And we ended up getting into like a mini fight, me and Sophie, which we don't fight. But we I was like, you're yeah. not allowed to be mad at a person who doesn't speak English when you're in their country. Like you came to this country as a foreign person. They speak Polish. You're not allowed to be mad that they don't speak English. The like, heat got <laughs> to me. Normally, yeah, I'm you were just placid. Hot. Yeah, I know. I'm normally quite a placid person. But the heat and like you were just so irritated, and you're like, I yeah. can't. <laughs> he was a really he was pretty nice though. Wow. The the guy yeah. that yeah he helped us After out because we, we didn't speak Polish and obviously he didn't speak yeah. English, but he ended up being like really like understanding and nice about the fact that we didn't know what was going on. So he was great. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Yeah. That day was just uh. Whew. I'm sure we'll talk about. In a, another podcast about our lovely trip to Poland. Oh, yeah, yeah. We, That'd I'm be sure quite a good like, thing to tell them. About Maybe we could trips. do that one day. We'll talk about like World War II and we'll get into that some sometime. Yes. But but yeah. So anyway, we got a little bit off topic. But yes, uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, that, that's what we're here for. Are we not? Uh, yeah. So basically that's it. Um, now you know a little bit more about things you might have been curious about. Who knows? But. It was um, good. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on, on this journey of yeah. storytelling. <laughs> um, I'm happy to know a little bit more about the Cray brothers because I 
I felt a little bit, you know, when you watch like a movie that's historically based, but you don't know the backstory. Mm-hmm. So then you kind of feel like things are going over your head a little bit. So yeah. I feel like maybe like I'll watch that movie again sometime and like know more. It might be now. a bit more. Yeah. yeah, I might like get more out of it now Relatively. that I kind of have the the backstory. So and you can go watch mm-hmm. Scarface and know what it's about. Oh, yes. <laughs> I'm going to watch Scarface. There you go. There's our homework. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Um, and everybody listening can go look up the the conversion for Fahrenheit and Celsius. Yeah, because that's so your yeah, homework, sure guys. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, thank yeah. you for joining us, and we will talk to you later.